Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 163 of the Average Cheese Podcast. It's Peter and I for episode 163. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Peter, are we going to venture down the road of number 63 tonight? No, I think we're going to do another piece of draft history again, rather than a particular player this time. Okay. Um, Will we do a, another Packer possible draft pick at the end, like you did in solo episode from last week? Yeah, we'll do that right near the, right near the end of the show. We'll come up with another name to add to Graham Barton that we talked about last week. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. So a couple of Packers tidbits, not even a tidbit. It's a big one. Joe Barry has been replaced. Former Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley. It's not new news now, but it's the first time we've talked about it. Initial thoughts on the new DC hire in Green Bay, Peter? I think it's fair to say that the initial thoughts were it was a bit of a surprise. So it was a name that certainly I didn't talk about last week. It was a name that didn't appear, I think, on too many people's candidates list. But putting that all to one side, he still fits in that same mold of the younger guy, and it's quite an extensive coaching background, going back 20 years or so, time in the NFL with Cleveland and the 49ers, with the Bucks, and then time in college in the last few years as the head coach of Boston College. Obviously, a defensive guy by trade, that goes without saying. And I guess a defensive backs coach by trade if you go back a few years, which is, which is interesting. I'm quite excited by it. I think the signs are good when you go back and read some of the stuff and see some of the stuff that he's spoken about previously. I spent a little bit of time looking at Boston College when I was looking at the drafts of the previous few years. So I've probably seen quite a lot of Boston College. And yeah, yeah, I'm mildly excited. My only reservation is that he's never actually had his own defensive coordinator job at any level. He was the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State before he then moved on to the head coaching job. So he kind of skipped, he bumped levels, right? He skipped a level there. Uh, that's my only real concern. I do like that he runs the 4-3. I think that's interesting. Thanks, Matt LaFleur, for listening to the average cheese because we went over that a couple weeks ago, how the Packers might have good personnel for that. Let's talk about that in a minute, too whether they do have the correct personnel for that. I saw somewhere that Mike Pettin said some really nice things about Halfley, how he's a great teacher. And I think if you are going to coach for the Green Bay Packers, you need to be a teacher more than other franchises because of the way the Packers build their roster. If you're always building your roster with young guys, they don't know how to play the game at the NFL level. If you have good teachers... I think that that is a recipe for success. You need to have guys that can teach. And Mike Pettin said that 
about Jeff Halfley. So I'm excited about that. He moved the Ohio State defense, now again, not on his own, from like 75th in the country to like top 10 in like a multiple categories within a season. He was able to improve their defense drastically over time. So let's talk about the personnel part of it. So if he plays the 4-3, we talked about this previously, Rashawn Gary can put his hand in the dirt. Lucas Van Ness played inside at Iowa. So neither one of them have an issue. Do you bring back Preston Smith? Can Preston Smith put his hand down like Gary and Van Ness? I, I, I would think so, given the size that he is. I think the bigger question with Preston Smith is going to be around salary cap and that sure. and that type of thing. But I think other than that, I think he, I think he's back for another year. And I do, yeah, I, I do think that he can play with his hand down and play as a 4-3 end. And to be fair, the Packers have run a number of defences over the past few years where there have been four-man lines. So it's not going to be totally new to those guys. But I think definitely they can do that. You then look at the defensive tackle position. Do you need another guy in there? But but you've also got, you know, the likes of Carl Brooks. You've got the likes of Colby Wood. And those guys probably moving outside. Good players. You probably need another guy inside. You've got Slayton, you've got Clark, you've got Wyatt. Now, whether TJ Slayton fits the 4-3. But he has played defensive end a bit in the 3-4, so I, I, I'm yeah. with you. It's, he may be the odd man out there because of his body. Can he play t- defensive tackle in the 4-3? I don't know that for sure. But I would imagine the defense will be flexible enough that sometimes you're going to be in a three-man line rather than a four-man line. Defenses are more flexible now, aren't they, than they probably were. 30 or 40 years ago, where you, you were either a 3-4 or a 4-3. I think the other interesting thing, and we touched on this before the show, is what happens to the linebacker spot when you get to that 4-3. You're then looking at typically different types of linebacker. You know, back in the dim and distant past, we would have been looking at a Wayne Simmons type as your strong side linebacker that can cover and deal with the tight end. And you would imagine that somebody like Quay Walker kind of fits the weak side linebacker spot probably in the 4-3. And then the other thing with Halfley's defense is he plays a lot of cover one or single high safety. And I don't think that guy's necessarily on the roster. No. So that would be another spot that you would think the Packers would be looking for. I just want to go back to this. Do you think Brooks and Wooden go outside or can they play tackle? I mean, they can't play tackle down after down, right? But you have Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark that could play defensive tackle on rundowns. And possibly T.J. Slayton could be a first and second down defensive tackle. You think Carl Brooks and Colby wouldn't end up at end? I think they could play inside on a on third down passing situations. But you see, the thing for, for me about Colby Wooden was always the question as, as to whether he sat between a, a defensive end and an outside linebacker anyway. So I, I see him more as a as a defensive end. I think Brooks has probably got more potential to, to come inside. But I guess, repeating myself, I guess on passing downs, they could line, they could line up inside. And, and one more stretch here. What about Brenton Cox? And I know Brenton Cox didn't see the field at all. Is he better with his hand down? Or is he better in a two-point stance? Or is he no longer a viable option on the Packer roster if they go to the 4-3? I don't know where he fits. We just talked about all of those guys. You've got the potential for the four-edge guys, plus possibly Wooden, plus possibly Brooks. I'm not sure where Brenton Cox fits in that. Now, 
they clearly like him. They like him enough to have kept him around all season, even though he didn't see the field very much. So they clearly like him. But where he fits in this scheme, I, I don't know. And we've been talking about the defense and the defensive line. Jerry Montgomery will not be asked back from what I read. Sorry for the man. Not sorry for the position, coach. Because, I mean, if the Packers been good against the run while he's been around, no. They really haven't been. So, if nothing else, fresh blood, right? Some new ideas to come in and maybe teach some new things to our guys. I mean, you don't really need to talk about that. It's really not a story. But it's time to move on at some point. And you want your new defensive coordinator to be able to pick his own guys. Unrelated, did you see the Mark Murphy note to the guy who applied for the defensive coordinator job? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Mark Murphy <laughs> strikes me as pretty funny. Like, it was funny. He's like, hey, the Bears have an open position. And your fantasy football skills seem to fit that. <laughs> that that's great. Good for that Mark was, Murphy. That I was very that. cool. Yeah. Is this Mark Murphy's last year as president? Um, so it's the middle of 2025 he has to retire. So Okay. Okay. Uh, I heard that Joe Barry is interviewed for the linebacker's position in Chicago. That's great. I wonder if – I don't think he got that job, though. <laughs> now that I – now that I, I wanted to look through, but I don't know that for sure, but he didn't get it. Sean Mannion went right from playing with the Vikings to the Packer coaching roster – is he going to be the assistant to the assistant quarterbacks coach? I wonder what he does. Yeah, as far as I know at this stage, they, ha they haven't said anything much, I believe, other than he's going to be helping with the quarterbacks and the passing game. So I don't think they've publicly kind of described exactly what his role will be. Uh, he was at the Rams when Lafleur was there as a coach, right? That um, feels right, actually. So, so 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 it's a guy that he knows, and uh, and I guess another young guy into the coaching staff. Obviously, at some point in the next few years, Tom Clements is likely to retire. Let's hope he he stays Stick for around. a little while. Yeah, yeah, because clearly he's done an excellent job with with Jordan Love. But yeah, I mean, clearly nothing wrong with bringing more young blood in, guys that are going to learn and learn behind some experienced, skilled guys. You kind of touched on it, too, last week on your solo episode where it seems like the coaching carousel is moving towards younger guys, especially in the coordinators, but also in the head coaching positions, too. New ideas. You know, no Belichick. I mean, I think they're done hiring head coaches, aren't they? I think every team has a coach now. I might be wrong about that. But most of them, if not all of them, are already filled. No Belichick. Because Mike Vrabel was still out there as well. Which, right. surprise, which surprises me. Yeah, Dan, yeah. let's talk about the head coaches in a minute. Former Packer coach Luke Getze, former Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze, now with the Raiders. That was unexpected to me, to be honest. Like, I thought that Luke Getze had taken a lot of social media flack and in the media flack that he wasn't doing a good job with Justin Fields. It is interesting to me as a Packer fan, to see if Luke Getze goes to Las Vegas and does something with the Raiders. It would really say a lot to me about Justin Fields as a quarterback if Getze couldn't get that working and then goes and makes fucking Jimmy Garoppolo into a quarterback again. Maybe it's a, as you say, horses for courses thing where 
this coach doesn't fit Justin Fields style and you need someone, you know, yep. less set in their ways or whatever. But it's, it's an interesting thing that he got hired as the offensive coordinator. I think just sometimes with guys, it takes a couple of jobs, two or three jobs, particularly young guys, to just find their feet and be confident and just just takes time. For sure. I am rooting for Luke Getze, kind of, for him to do some things in Las Vegas. I keep wanting to say Oakland. I, I keep saying Oakland. Right. All right. So a lot of young guys hired, like we just talked about a minute ago, for head coaching jobs. A lot of guys under 40. Atlanta hired Raheem Morris. I think it was Mike Tomlin who stepped out there and said some really nice things about Raheem Morris. Was kind of surprised that he's not a head coach somewhere. Well, he gets a shot in Atlanta. Initial thoughts on not Raheem Morris, the coach, but what kind of job will he have to do there? What will he have to make right for Atlanta to be a good football team? I think the first thing is they've got to sort the quarterback position out. And and if Desmond Ridder's the guy, they've got to go with him and, and get away from chopping and changing. I suspect that they're going to look at another quarterback, maybe one in the draft. I think the quarterback draft is deep enough early to be able to get a guy wherever you're picking in the first round. But that's no guarantee either. But they have to sort the most important position in football first, I think. And he's a defensive guy. So maybe his most important hire is, who does he hire as the offensive coordinator to try to either A, fix Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, or bring in the young guy? Or do they go out and get a veteran? I mean, there aren't many, right? Like there, there's only so many starting quarterbacks in the NFL. If you're Raheem Morris, do you draft the guy and hope that he pans out right away? Or do you go get a veteran and draft the guy? I think in an ideal world, you do the latter. Absolutely, You're absolutely right. I mean, the one good thing about if you're a new head coach, you've probably, you know, barring a complete disaster, you've probably got two or three years. So you do have the opportunity to get that young guy and bring him through. But you're absolutely right. If you can get the veteran as well, so much the better. As long as they don't bring in Andy Dalton, like other teams have seemed to try to make that happen. Uh, the Carolina Panthers chose Dave Canales, offensive coordinator of Tampa Bay. Super interesting. And they gave him a six-year contract. Now, I know that doesn't mean anything. They could rip that contract up tomorrow and, and call it a day because coaches don't get the money that athletes do. That's a that's a big contract, and it's a not a big contract in money sense, but they are putting a real commitment saying, look, we're going to give you the opportunity to fix this mess over a longer period of time. I thought that was really telling. It, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I think it's it's telling that they got an offensive guy in there because that's where they need help. They need to somebody that can come in and, and work with Bryce Young. Defensively, they're good. You know, they're ranked in the top 10 and top five of most defensive categories last year, which is pretty good for a team that, you know, yeah. had the worst record in football. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, one assumes that they still believe that they've got their quarterback of the future, but that's a position that they've got to work with, with Bryce Young and bring him, bring him through because, well, we talked about this before. The trading away of DJ Moore in that trade was probably just as important as giving up the number one picks that they gave up to move up to get Bryce Young. Yeah. Because he he was the superstar talent on that offense. Yeah. It was a mistake, in my opinion. The Los Angeles Chargers have Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. Just won a national title in Michigan. 
This is my least favorite. I am not a Jim Harbaugh guy. I think that Jim Harbaugh is a should stay should have stayed in college for this reason. You cycle through guys in college. It's the nature of college football. They stay for three, maybe four years. You get a new, fresh set of kids that come in every year. I think he is going to burn a bunch of veterans out. They're not going to want to continue to play for him. I think that's what happened the first time he was in the NFL. I don't see him as a long-term fix. He's a big name, and he will bring big name expectations to the Chargers, but I don't I don't like it. I'm not a Jim Harbaugh guy. I think it's a fucking terrible idea. Sorry. What do you think, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that the Chargers are an interesting football team. They've got their quarterback. Yeah. I guess my question, and I, I don't know the answer, it's almost a rhetorical question, is how will that dynamic work when he's got a quarterback in Justin Herbert, who is one of the top five to ten quarterbacks in in the NFL, how will that relationship work? Because that relationship has to work for them for them to be good. Yeah, there's other stuff on the team they've got to fix. They've got to fix the defense and, and, and other things. But that relationship has to work. And I think that will be interesting to see how that pans out. I think that Jim Harbaugh has the easiest job of all the coaches that not easiest, but he has the best chance of winning now because they have Justin Herbert of all the new coaches. He has the best foundation for winning. Granted their defense isn't great, but Justin Herbert's going to win you some games all on his own. Uh, The Raiders signed Antonio Pierce, who was the interim guy. I like that move. I I think I think they should have kept Rich Bisaccia, not because Rich Bisaccia was spectacular, but I think when you do things as an interim guy and you make you and you're successful, that has to say something to your your head your brass, your GM and your ownership group that this guy's coming in as a substitute teacher and doing things. And I think that Antonio Pierce was the right move for the Raiders. I hundred percent agree with that. And 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 you know you look at the job that he did in the second half of the season with a very young inexperienced quarterback as well yeah i think this is absolutely the right move he brings a toughness that not many head coaches bring to be honest i i, I like the antonio pierce thing uh gerard mayo is the new coach in new england i like that they hired from within basically they wrote into his contract that he was the heir apparent but i like it I like that they brought a guy in internally. He knows what the Patriot way is, for lack of a better term. He also brings a toughness. He has jumped, though, from linebacker coach to head coach. That's not the easiest transition if you've never coordinated or done anything on that level. Your thoughts on Gerard Mayo? I think it's a nice hire. I think that that's a really difficult job, replacing a legend. And Bill yeah. Belichick is, is a legend. It's always going to be a difficult job. Agreed. The Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel parted ways. They hired Brian Callahan, Bengals offensive coordinator. If I'm being a thousand percent honest, I have no fucking idea who this guy is. I don't know. I mean, the, the Bengals offense was good. You assume he's going to be an offensive guy. I wonder what that means for Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those that could go either way. We just don't know how how that's going to pan out or what the what the thinking is but 
you kind of feel like Henry's going to end up somewhere else. That's yeah. just based on nothing other than the gut feeling. It just feels like he's going to end up perhaps with one of the other teams that we've talked about. Yeah. The Seattle Seahawks hired Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Seattle is a weird place where I never feel like they're going to go more than 10 and 7, and I don't think they're going to be any worse than 7 and 10. I feel like they just don't have a a ton of high-level talent on their roster, and they kind of just they lurk around the playoff level. And I wonder if this guy is the answer to make that, you know, make that change. Uh, and finally, Washington Commanders hired Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. This is an interesting move. Your thoughts on Dan Quinn before I run off and run my mouth? I think that I think he's he's one of the top defensive minds in football today. I think as a defensive coordinator, I think he's a guy that most teams would like to have or love to have as their defensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't have any issue with the commanders taking Dan Quinn and putting him in as their head coach. He is a similar guy to Ron Rivera in demeanor. I also wonder what that means for Eric Bieniemy as a head coach in this league. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't know what it means. Honestly, don't. Let's talk a little Packers draft, draft history. So last week I talked about the, I'm not saying obscure draft, but it kind of fell in the middle of a difficult period for the Packers in 1978. This week I wanted to pick one that was kind of A, closer in time to where we are now, and B, one that was very significant, I think, in Packers' success through the mid to late 90s and, in, and into the 2000s. And that's the 1995 Packers draft. And whilst there probably aren't any Pro Football Hall of Fame players from this draft, what there were were a couple of Packers Hall of Famers who who are both all pros and pro bowlers. There's another guy in this draft who was an all pro and pro bowler. There's another all pro in this draft. A couple of really solid starters, one of whom who went on to be a pro bowler somewhere else. And also one of the draft picks, the second round pick, turned into a really excellent player for the Packers as well. Hmm. So a lot going on in this 1995 draft. And I'm going to skip over the first round and jump straight to round three. I'm going to come back to the first round because he's a good player. But go straight to round three because the Packers had four picks in the third round of this draft. They did trades with Carolina and Jacksonville, who were both expansion franchises at that point. And the four picks the Packers had in the third round, were Darius Holland, who was a def- defensive tackle, only played for the Packers for three years, was a solid guy inside, three solid seasons with the Packers, part of the Super Bowl thirty-one team the, the following year, which all of these guys were. But then in the third round, with the following pick, they took William Henderson. So William Henderson, Packers fullback, 12 seasons with the Packers, 188 games, which is the seventh highest number in team history. And we all remember him from that period of time as just a great fullback and and a guy that caught 320 passes from the fullback spot, which we kind of don't necessarily think about. So Yeah, we don't do that anymore, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then the third of their third round picks in that draft was Brian Williams, the outside linebacker, the weak side outside linebacker. Really underrated guy. 
So started on that Super Bowl team in in 96 and was with the Packers for six seasons. But was a really, really good underrated player and even made some all-pro teams in 1997. So good player, Brian Williams. And then the other third-round pick, so the fourth third-round pick the Packers had in that draft was Antonio Freeman. And we don't really don't need to go through his numbers, Packer Hall of Famer and all, and all of that stuff. Outstanding wide receiver, you know, with the Packers for, what, six, seven seasons, I think it was. Like I say, Packers Hall of Famer, all of that stuff, 400-plus catches for the Packers. Author of some great plays, author of an 81-yard touchdown in that Super Bowl, in Super Bowl 31. So just that third round itself is probably as good a single round as any team could imagine having. Yeah, and probably um, the yeah. best third round ever. It's probably why we suck so bad in the third round now is because we hit on all <laughs> <Yeah>. those. <laughs> it's some car- there's a reverse carver or something going on now. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll hop back to the num- the first round pick was Craig Newsom, cornerback out of Arizona State. Became a starter immediately in 1995. Started on that Super Bowl 31 team. Yeah, and a really, really nice player who moved on to San Francisco after a number of years with the Packers. But a really solid corner, Matt, paired up with Doug Evans in that Super Bowl team. Really nice corner. Second round pick, the Packers traded away. That's the one I alluded to earlier. It's part of the trade for Keith Jackson, the the tight end. So if you included him as part of this kind of draft package, makes this draft look even better. But it still gets better. Fifth round pick in, in that draft for the Packers was Travis Jervy, who we've who we've profiled previously on this show. Him and the tiger, um, or is it a, a lion? A lion right. named Nala. Lion named Nala. Yeah, running back by trade, but you know made the Pro Bowl as a special teams guy, super speedy guy. And in the seventh round, Adam Timmerman. Oh, who who played with who, the Rams and made a Pro Bowl with them, right? Absolutely did. Two-time Pro Bowler with the Rams. So he played four years with the Packers. His first start for the Packers was in the divisional playoff game against the 49ers at the end of the 95 season. And then he became the starter for the remainder of his Packer career and then went on to the Rams. Like I say, two-time Pro Bowler with the Rams. That's pretty much is the 1995 draft for the Packers. Some really, really good picks and six or seven or eight guys there that were crucial parts of that Super Bowl team and for the Packers for the next few years as well after that. Yeah, no elite, elite guy, but really, really good football players. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for that. So you said that you had one future Packer or possible (laughs) future Packer on the list for today. Yeah, well, you know, and it's it comes with the proviso. We don't know where these guys are going to go in the draft. We don't know how teams are viewing these guys. But I'm trying to look at guys that are potentially going to be there when the Packers pick at, at 25 and kind of the positions they may they may go for, which is why I talked about Graham Barton last week. And this week, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. It's a guy that can play cornerback and safety. It's Cooper DeGene out of Iowa. So he's a, he's a tall corner, six-foot-one guy, but he can play corner and safety. Returns kicks, returns punts. Really athletic guy. Makes big plays. One of the things I really like about him, he's got that closing speed that you like out of defensive back. So he seems to be one of those guys that anticipates where the ball's going really well and closes on the ball really quickly, which enables him to make those big plays. And he's got good hands as well, which you like to see. Physical guy when he's in, when he's in man coverage. And yeah, he's just a really talented athlete. Was injured 
kind of halfway through the 2023 season, why which is one of the reasons why he's potentially just slipped a little bit down that first round of the draft. But certainly, Guy, if he was there when the Packers pick at 25, I think a really, really nice pick for the Packers if he's there. If you are Jeff Halfley, Peter, does he play corner or does he play safety for you? <laughs> Not to put you on the spot <clears throat> or anything. He may well he may well play safety given that's a real position of need for for the Packers. But he's a guy that you could play at safety. He's a guy that you could play outside at corner, or you could line him up in the you know as a as a nickel slot corner as well. So all of those things. Yeah, there are very few guys that can do all three of those things. It's because his I think his athletic ability is really good. His quick feet, which you need for those slot guys, but his physical. There's so much to like about him. It's really, really nice player. And I think that if he were there when the Packers picked them. You'd be happy. You wouldn't do what Derek. you did last year <laughs> and go completely radio silent for like 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, that was fun. We never, we never put that out, out there for. I don't, I don't believe that happened. <laughs> That's right. If, if I didn't put it out there, it didn't happen. So what you're saying, what I hear you saying, Peter, is that he is the anti-Darnell Savage, where he could actually close on the football and possibly catch it when it's coming in his direction. That I liked. It makes plays. You know, sometimes you see guys that you just really like. He's just one of those guys. You know, the uh, back-to-back Iowa guys, him and Van Ness. I mean, there are worse defenses to pick off of than the Iowa defense. They win damn near on defense alone in Iowa. I like what you said about him. I like versatility. Like The Packers like versatility. They like athletes and they like versatility. This feels like a Packer guy now that you've, I've never, I mean, I've heard of him and I thought, oh, he's from Iowa. I'm not sure because I never, I don't get to see Iowa very often, but I'm sold. You, you, you watch him drop to the fourth round or something now, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that doesn't happen. He won't make it out of the first round. I don't think. I don't All think right. so either. Let's hope he doesn't drop past the Packers and he pick them. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 163 of the Average Chiefs podcast. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.